0: It's the middle of March in Calgary, Alberta in 2006. A light dusting of snow falls to the ground as Brenda Lee Myers prepares to close the bar where she works. Everyone has gone home for the night. She's the last one there, all ready to lock up. She's done this thousands of times before. Unbeknownst to her, this would be the last time she ever does it again. This is Cold Canada episode seven, Alberta Arson. Brentwood is a small suburb in Calgary, accommodating approximately 6,200 people out of the city's population of 1 million. Located in Western Canada, Alberta is known as a prairie province, and the city Calgary is well known for hosting the largest outdoor rodeo in the world, aptly named the Calgary Stampede. If you're not familiar with the city of Calgary, it is located in southern Alberta, approximately 3 hours from Edmonton. The capital city of the province. The fairly safe neighborhood of Brentwood where this heinous crime takes place was icy on the evening of March 19, 2006. The windchill sat at minus 14 Celsius, and it was lightly snowing, which is fairly typical for that time of year. It came to a surprise to the local fire department when an auto alarm was triggered at 3802 Brentwood Road Northwest at around 11.35 p.m. They recognized the address as Madison's, a well-known cafe and bar. Upon arrival, they found a small fire that prompted the alarm, and the installed sprinkler system managed to suppress the blaze. It had only spread to a portion of the lower level office and storage room, which sat below the bar. Firefighters searched the rest of the building to make sure it was clear. They entered the basement where a shocking discovery was made. There was a body lying on the cool floor, unrecognizable. The body was charred head to toe, burned up from the fire. The police were immediately notified. Who was the person who was cooked alive and was the fire sent intentionally? Police were called to the scene. The bar was immediately blocked off with yellow police tape as an attempt to preserve any evidence that may have been left behind. Foul play was suspected, but not confirmed by police right away. It could have still been a horrific accident. Evidence was collected, CCTV from surrounding businesses were reviewed, past and present employees were interviewed, and customers who were at the cafe that night were also questioned. The police had surveillance on the bar for three days following the fire. Unfortunately, not much progress was made. It wasn't until 10 days after the blaze did police confirm the fire was a result of a homicide. On March 26th, the authorities deemed the cafe a crime scene after the autopsy revealed the person found was in fact murdered. The remains were identified as Brenda Lee Myers, who was the only one in the building at the time of the alarm autopsy confirmed she was stabbed several times with a sharp-edged object. They were unable to determine what exactly the murder weapon was and there was no evidence to suggest the murder weapon was left at the scene. This led police to believe the fire was set intentionally and attempt to cover up any evidence left behind. Since the body was so badly damaged, the medical examiner wasn't able to determine the time of death and investigators for the fire department couldn't determine what time the fire was started or how it was ignited. This left family and police with many questions. Brenda Lee Myers was a 41-year-old mother of one who was born and raised in Alberta. She lived with her spouse, Jim Hansen, and her 23-year-old son, Adam, in the neighborhood of Brentwood. She started working for a local Greek family who owned a local restaurant called Louis Pizza, located in the Brentwood Village Mall, when she was just a young teen. When the owners decided to retire, their son was a co-owner, so he took over the restaurant and rebranded it to fit a more contemporary feel. It was now named Madison's Cafe and Bar. Brenda continued to work for him, She had been close to the family and stuck with them for over 20 years. Brenda was well known in the community. It was reported regular customers would go to the cafe just to see Brenda on a daily basis. She was described as a warm person, tiny but fierce. She knew how to stand her ground, which made her a fantastic waitress. Her co-workers called her an amazing friend and even a mother figure to some of the younger employees. She brought light to the restaurant and was a big reason why it was so successful. It came to a shock to patrons, family, and friends when it was announced Brenda was a victim of a homicide, especially to her brother Stephen and parents Darlene and Douglas. Originally, it was suspected the crime was a result of a robbery gone wrong. There had been a reported break-in just two and a half months prior, but no money was stolen and there were no signs of forced entry. It was said by friends if there was a break-in, Brenda was the type of person to quote-unquote not take any shit and would have been able to handle the situation. The robbery theory was quickly ruled out and not much progress was made in the following months. Madison's reopened on April 20th just one month after the incident. During the grand reopening, 160 f- people filled the bar in support. Family and friends raised $2,000 in Myers' name for the Calgary Dream Center, which is a faith-based recovery organization. With no additional leads, Brenda's case went cold. About a year later, the building where the crime took place was sold and the owner of Madison's opened a new location with a slightly different name. The building was demolished and condo buildings now stand in its place with no trace of it once being a crime scene. Between 1917 and 2012, 80 unsolved cold cases remain for the city, the bulk of them occurring between 2000 and 2010. Calgary has a lower crime severity rate in comparison to the nation, according to Stats Canada. It was only 96.29 in 2006, compared to the national average of 100. To put it in better perspective, Alberta as a whole had a crime severity index of 115.6, and Edmonton's was 129.75. So in comparison to that, Calgary's was significantly lower. Five years later, in 2011, the case was officially reopened. With only 11 homicides reported for the year, this low rate gave police time to focus on cold cases that remained in the database. Police said they have ID'd a person of interest and with technological advances in DNA, testing the evidence is now possible and may be of help. All of the evidence was pulled out to be re-examined and witnesses were re-interviewed. In a rare tactic used to match a timeline for the fire, a reenactment was done. Staff Sergeant Grant Miller told CBC it wasn't uncommon for the police to return to the scene and do a reenactment in their minds, but it was unusual for a building to be set on fire to test out and match a timeline. He told CBC quote, we're trying to test the temperature that the fire reaches and the time it takes for the fire to spread, unquote. This was all an attempt to figure out exactly what happened that night. After all the legwork was completed, nothing new arose. The police still didn't have any answers for the family. They were unsure if it was a random act or planned. It was unknown why Brenda was the victim and the person of interest was never named in the media. It's still unclear if the killer is in jail for something else, fled the city, had died, or is still walking the streets of Calgary a free person. Brenda's family is left without answers. Why was Brenda alone in the bar to begin with? The other employees left at the end of their shift at 10.30. Why did Brenda stay behind? How did the perpetrator get into the bar? Did they enter before Brenda had a chance to lock up? Was she downstairs in the office storage area when the person came into the building and dumped her in the basement? Did she forget to lock one of the doors and that's how the murderer got in? If there was no signs of forced entry, she either let them in or the doors were left open. With all these questions unanswered, it's hard for family and friends to be at peace. please if you have any information related to this case no matter how small please contact rcmp or crime stoppers as always all the contact information will be in the episode notes thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode please go rate and review on itunes if you haven't already subscribe on your favorite podcast platform also go follow me at Cold Canada podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Episodes are now being streamed on YouTube. Just search Cold Canada podcast or go through the link in the notes. If you'd like to support the show, you can join the Patreon at patreon.com/coldcanadapodcast. That's p a t r e o n.com/coldcanadapodcast. My name is Heather Curran and this has been Cold Canada.